Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. This is a special episode, as it's actually an episode where I am interviewed by Abby Lutus for her recently launched podcast, The Wanderluster's Mind. I know you all love travel stories, so it's safe to say that you'll love Abby's podcast too, as she takes you on an adventure into the minds of globetrotters. Abby and her guests share their travel stories, navigating their return home, and stepping into their inspired adventurous life. This episode is all about my little family adventure, slow traveling through the United States for a year, the people we met, the time spent growing as a family, arriving back home, looking at life differently, and becoming comfortable with the unknown. Abby is a caring and courageous woman, and if you like what you hear, then add the Wonderlusters Mind podcast to your playlist. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Abby Lutus. Welcome to the Wonderlusters Mind. I'm your host, Abby Lutus. Come on an adventure with me as we wander into the minds of globetrotters. They'll share their travel stories, navigating their return home, and stepping into their inspired, adventurous life. Now, let's go to the show. Well, I'm very excited for my guest today, Mike. Campbell. He is a speaker, podcast host, and writer behind liveimmediately.com. He encourages parents and organizations to live more with less and to spend as much time as possible doing things they enjoy with people they love. And I really love this message. Mike, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Abby. How are you? Thanks for having me on. It's really great to have you here. Mike, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today. Oh, so I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I guess for me, I am a corporate marketer by trade. I was really fortunate to spend like the first 10 years um, of my corporate world in the music industry, working for record companies and radio stations and MTV and, and, and things like that. And then I moved to my, my wife's hometown of Newcastle because I was brought up in Sydney and moved to my wife's hometown of Newcastle, which is about two hours north of Sydney. And I, I realized that there was a, a lack of multinational record companies in, in Newcastle. And so I went into the, the advertising world and, and, and then corporate marketing in-house and stuff like that. And it was about 2014 and 2015 and they were, you know, that 18 months there was a really big change for our family. We really started to kind of question what was really important to us and how we were spending our time and, and, and what we were spending our, our money on and things like that. And one thing led to another and we kind of discovered minimalism and went through a bit of a process um, and then one day my, my wife kind of said, Hey, why don't we spend a, a year overseas? And, um, that's kind of what we did. And I'm sure that trip is what we'll unpack in our conversation today, Abby. Mm, 
And I love it. It's such a contrast, you know, going from this corporate marketer and what sounds like quite a, a really busy role to almost just throwing it all in and, and hitting the road. It sounds like a little bit what I did a few years back as well. So you spent a year traveling through the United States. Tell us a little bit about that adventure. Where did you go and what did you see? Yeah, exactly. So as I was saying, when my wife said, hey, let's spend a year overseas. Um, initially, I was like, okay, cool. This sounds like a bit of a fairy idea, but, but let's, let's kind of play with it and let's toy with it. And, and I was, I'm always the organiser in our relationship. So I kind of got out the pen and paper and, and tried to work out the mathematics and the funding of it all and realised, well, if I was leaving the corporate world, um, how are we going to, to afford this? And what we landed on, was house and pet sitting so then we were like oh great here's this this way that we'll be able to travel and and not pay for accommodation um but then for about four months i had to kind of spruik my family to kind of find these places that we could look after long story short we eventually found one after four months and it was in the north woods of wisconsin in this town called clam lake it has a population of 37 people. Uh, it's in the middle of a national forest and we were living in a log cabin. And when we got to this town of 37 people, my daughter, who was four at the time, was the youngest person in the town and I was the second youngest. And we spent <laughs> four months there. I know it was crazy. She had lots of grandparents for those four months. And it was, you know, deep woods were in the middle of winter. And we had four months there of teaching my daughter how to ski and completely living such a different life. And then after that, we spent three weeks road tripping uh, through the Dakotas and into Colorado. And we were able to spend spring in the Rocky Mountains of a town called Breckenridge in Colorado, hiking through the Rocky Mountains. And then we hightailed it across to the east of the United States, to Providence, Rhode Island, where we spent summer and then we went to upstate New York and spent autumn or in America as they call it fall and I completely understand why they call it fall because while we were there we were able to see that the green trees start to really turn this beautiful fiery red and then and then the leaves are falling off uh, coming into winter and then on the way home we stopped into LA to take our little daughter Andy to Disneyland to thank her for being such a, an amazing little travel trooper and, and then heading on home to Australia. Mm, sounds like an amazing adventure, Mike. What, what were some of the highlights? Uh, for us, it was really one thing that we absolutely loved was the slowness of our travel, like being able to really spend time in each town that we were in. And as I said, like we were spending like four months, you know, three months, two months in these towns and you really start to become a local. You get to go to the same place multiple times. People, instead of just talking to you because you're that Aussie guy in a random town, they actually start to get to know you and invite you to their, their table for dinner and things like that. We absolutely loved teaching our daughter to ski. Uh, for any skiers out there, like Andy's doing black runs with us now, which is absolutely beautiful. Like she's she's now six. But um, and then or, you know, also just seeing America. I you know, when I was young, I've, I've always loved traveling. But I heard the statistic when I was young that there's only something like ten percent of America. 
Americans have passports. And I was like, what, what, Americans don't want to travel? Like, seriously, like, the world is so beautiful. But when you go to America, like, I get it. Like, it's such a big country and there's so many different things in each different states. Like, it's called the United States because it really is, like, 50 different countries all together and each country has different, sorry, each state has different food and different kind of people and they think different ways and their climate's all different and it was... Yeah, which is absolutely beautiful to see uh, such an amazing country and also to really have such quality time with my daughter at such a pivotal age and, and the relationship that we now have um, and also with my wife just as like as our little unit, our little trio, our little kind of pack, our little tribe, you know, spending that much time together, figuring stuff out and learning stuff together um, was absolutely wonderful. Mm, yeah, I imagine it would have been just a fantastic way to really solidify your family and just be together going through these experiences. You talked about Clam Lake where there was only 37 people and you have told us about the slow travel and I've spoken to a few people about this where you really do immerse yourself in the culture and you start to get known by the locals and as you said, they invite you in to dinner what a wonderful way to travel and to really bring your family together in such an incredible experience. Uh, it's so true. And like you can go and, you know, and I've done it when I was younger, when you kind of go through Europe in 30 days and you're having breakfast, lunch and dinner in a different place and you're getting all of the tourist photos. But for me, traveling is so much deeper than that now. Like, you know, the people and the places and, you know, those beautiful little, you know, off the beaten track moments that you have that often aren't planned are the, the strong memories that we all hold. Mm, it can really change you if you immerse yourself long enough and deep enough in travel, I think. So, Mike, you were on the road for 12 months, slowly tripping through North America with your family. You had made the decision to go for the year and you knew that you were coming home. So what were the thoughts coming up for you when it came time to actually come home? Was it something that you resisted? Was it easy because you had made that decision ahead of time? What were you experiencing? Yeah, it's interesting. Like we, when we left, we kind of knew deep down, to, well, to be honest, when we left, when we boarded the plane, we only had one house it locked in. Like we wanted to go for 12 months, but we only had one four-month house it locked in. So when we boarded that plane, we literally did not know where we were going to be sleeping come the 1st of May. Like, would we have to come back home? Would we find something? As it turned out, we were able to kind of keep finding new places to stay at. But we, we did end up staying for uh, 12 months. And whilst we were, were traveling, we were like, we love this so much. There's a potential that maybe we could do it for longer. And we were looking at places in Sweden to, to house it. I think there were some places in South America and also France um, to just go, hey, we don't want this journey to end. But as the cookie crumbled and, and the way things panned out, we did eventually come home after those 12 months. And I think a lot of that had to do with the age of my daughter. Like she was starting kindergarten. We came home in the October and she started kindergarten in, in the January, the end of the January. And people were like, well, why don't you do homeschooling and things like that? And I was like, well, 
to be honest, I kind of want someone else to blame if my daughter doesn't turn out to be the smartest uh, girl in class. I don't want that responsibility. But we kind of, you know, we also like, we, we are so close with our family and friends and all that kind of stuff. But it was hard. And even though we came home in that October, to be honest, it was probably in that September or even August that we knew that day was coming. And our time in America had kind of changed. It's kind of like when you're getting excited just before a trip. When you're coming home, there's this little bit of lagging that kind of goes. And especially when you hit enter on purchasing those return flights and you know it's final. And it's like, ah, oh. and I remember we were in upstate New York when we, when we bought those return flights. And I just said to Inga, my wife, I was like, it was such a fun ride and it's coming to an end. And we had to keep kind of telling each other, like it's coming to an end, but it's not ending now. Let's not, let's not spoil the last kind of, you know, weeks that we've got here. Let's still ride this beautiful wave. Yeah. I love that you were really immersed in those two weeks or one week to go. You were still really enjoying the ride and, and just being in the moment. So you came home back to Newcastle. What did you experience when you came home after such a long time away, after having such different experiences? What were you feeling and what emotions did you experience in this transition and the reverse culture shock that most people have after coming home after such a long time away? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, coming back home and you've got to find uh, your new rhythm. And I, I use that word and I borrow that word from um, a good friend of mine and also a, a podcast guest of, of mine on the Live Immediately podcast, Brooke McCallery, talking about these, these rhythms in life. And we had to find what our new rhythm was. And for me, I didn't want to go back into corporate marketing straight away. Um, I was really thinking about, all right, I don't want money to be my driver. Like, how do I really want to spend my time? And once we got back, I had the privilege of being a, um, what are they called? Like a, a, a teacher's aide um, at a local school here for an Aboriginal boy that had come, come to town that, that needed some help. And I absolutely loved that. Um, I, I love kids. Um, and then I was also able to kind of do some consulting work back at MTV. So going back into the music side of things down in Sydney, whilst also teaching some kids uh, swimming and, and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, it's been navigating that, that path of being able to kind of follow my passions or follow things that, that really do excite me and light me up whilst also trying to juggle the financial sides of life. You know, we've still got a mortgage. We've still got all of those things um, whilst also, you know, still looking for that, maybe that corporate marketing job that excites me in a particular field. And so that all of those emotions mixed with, I love that travel mixed with how are we, how are we kind of funding everything and, and the expenses of life and all of that kind of stuff, which kind of ties back to some of the changes that we made before we went traveling through minimalism 
to kind of brand it that not that I, I really use that word that much, but like living more with less, you know, only kind of spending money on the things that are really important to you. Because if, if you don't waste your money, then you actually don't need as much money to live. So, so that's kind of like the, the reverse culture shock to me is being just changes in life. And it's kind of like most changes. You don't know what the end result is and, and you think that you can kind of predict or you think you might be able to navigate how something potentially will turn out. But more times than not, it turns out completely different, but even more beautiful. <laughs> it- It makes me smile when you say that, Mike, because I have had so many times in my life and whether it be in travel or not, where I've had an image in my mind of how something is going to be working out, whether it's a career I'm going into, yeah, or a trip I'm going on and just the way that we project what we think it's going to turn out like and then it will be something completely different but equally as amazing if not better so I really think that's a really valuable piece of advice yeah and I think too like when we travel like as travelers and you and I are travelers and and I'm sure people listening to this podcast are travelers one of the things that excites us as travellers, is the unknown. We're going somewhere, somewhere we've never been before. It might be a new culture, a new language, a new currency. It's a new country. It might be, you know, a different state if we're in our own country. It's somewhere new that we've never been before. We don't know how it's going to end up. And that's what I've kind of learnt with this, this year now that we've been back is going, how do I embrace that travel mindset and bring it back home? How do I be a tourist in my own town? And, and, and go, you know what, these unknowns, I, I've got to start loving these unknowns. How do I start to, I guess, try to be more comfortable with the uncomfortable and, and not trying to predict everything? Because at the end of the day, no one can predict the future. We're, often we're in jobs and I've got nothing against nine to fives at all. I completely understand them. But when we're in that, we think that we're predicting the future. But it really all it is is that it's just the, the same day happening over and over again. But then all of a sudden, something can change and, and, and everything's thrown out the window. Um, so for me, I'm just trying to go, you know what, coming home, like stepping off that plane, coming back home, has really been just another destination on the travel journey. Mm, yeah, it is. It really is. So. Did you, what was the biggest stress in coming home? Did you have any, any stresses? You, you talked about having to come back into your home, like almost as if where you took off and it was almost as like, did that even happen? What was your biggest stress? I think the biggest stress is probably two was, you know, as I kind of spoke about, you know, not wanting just to come back to how life was, you know, I, I hadn't, I knew that I had changed. I knew that some of my thoughts and philosophies had changed. I knew that our family unit had changed. So not kind of coming back to, to the norm. The stresses were, you know, and you know, still there from being 100% honest, like figuring out what this part, this season, this chapter of our life is, you know, from work-wise and interest-wise and all of that kind of stuff. But then also for me is, that relationship that I, I 
have with my daughter. Um, and like today, a great example, I've spent the whole day with her where I had no plans from when I woke up and I pretty much said yes to everything that she wanted to do. And what, I've, what I learned when we were traveling was, because I was with her, I was the, the main carer when we were traveling, was to the days that I said yes the most were the smoothest days. And what I learned was when you start saying yes, the kids actually don't ask for as much and all they want really is your time. And once you've got that, so one of my stresses was, well, if I come back and I've got to kind of fit into the normalities of life, I was worried that I wasn't going to have that time for my daughter and time for me is, is the true currency. So now when I have days that I can be with her, I try to give her as much time. And we, we do that as a family unit as well. Like we, we just go, okay, this is us. There's nothing, nothing that's going to interfere with that. Because that's one thing that we learned when we were traveling. You know, as much as we love our family and friends and catching up with everyone, when you're traveling, you, you don't have that. So you, you're not obligated to go to a birthday party. You're not obligated to kind of see this on a Mother's Day and all that. And don't get me wrong, I, I love doing those things. That's what makes life life. But when you travel as a family and you don't have that, you get to spend more time as a family. And so we've tried to, to bring that back home. And that, that's, when I say that's been work, like that's been a deliberate lesson, a deliberate thing that we've tried to, to work on and bring back home. Because that, that, that was one of the stresses of worrying that that wasn't going to be there. Mm, yeah, family is so important in your life. And was that something that you used when you came home to support yourself through the transition? Was it really about bonding in as a family unit to get through those times where it was a little emotional? Like, what are we doing? Have we even been on this trip? How do I go back to the normal life? And as you said before, you didn't want to. So what what did you do to support yourself? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Abby. And I, like when I think about it, like I've never been one to, to go and seek support, but I've always been around support. And I've never thought of it this way, but like I'm so fortunate that Inga, my wife, has supported, you know, me leaving the corporate world to so we could do this as a family, even though it was her idea to, to, to do it. And then to come back to give me that space to try different things and to work different things out, you know, which I know caused a lot of stress for her because there's still this like, hey, you know, there are certain elements of life that we still need to pay for. You know, you, you, can't, you can't go out and hang out with the kids all the time, Mike. Um, so, you know, having her support and, and also, you know, I've, I've had the, the great support of my parents from, from day one that are like, hey, give anything a go. Like my mum always says, you know, everything always works out in the end. If it's not worked out and it's not the end. Um, and so, and, you know, everyone's been supportive around that. I think too, like having, you know, the podcast and, and the website with immediately.com has, that's really helped me and encouraged me and, and understanding, and you'll find this too, Abby, when people reach out to you and go, wow, you know, what you, the work that you're doing, this extra work that you're doing out of your hours, away from your family to help other people, I'm one of those people that it's helped. Thank you so much. 
Um, and that that's really encouraging um, to see that community grow and support from that community. Mm, I love that. Now, Mike, you just touched on your Live Immediately business that you have set up and that inspiration came from your trip and time away. So tell us a little about how you drew that inspiration from your travels and put it into your next steps when you came home with the blog, the podcast and the website that you have now? Yes, yeah, so, you know, as I said a, a while back when my wife kind of came up with the idea and said, hey, why don't we, we travel overseas for a year? And she had asked me that a number of times. And previously I was like, no, I'm climbing the corporate ladder. You know, we can't do that. We've got to be earning money to pay off a house, you know, push, push all of those fun things to another day. And after we kind of went through that realization of like, what's really important to us? And she asked that question again, why don't we go overseas for a year? It made me go and made us go as a family, like, yeah, why are we putting things off? And so that's really, live immediately became what we were doing. We were living immediately. We weren't waiting for another day for us to really do the things that we, we want to do with people that we love. And initially, Live Immediately was a blog and it enabled me, it was never about travel. It was all about the, the things that we went through, the lessons that I'd learned, and hopefully that would help other people. Um, and a lot of that, you know, for me, I was never one of those people that would reflect on stuff. You know, I'm always quite fast paced and go, 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 but having the time to really think about stuff and write about stuff enabled me to go, wow, look at these things that how I've changed, how the relationships with my wife and my daughter, how, you know, these travels, like what, how are we growing together? Then one thing kind of led to another and, and it, you probably picked up by now. I'm talking a fair lot, a fair bit. I love talking and I love meeting people. And so the, the blog kind of went to a podcast and I loved being able to reach out to people. And again, it wasn't about the travels. It wasn't about anything in, in one kind of particular genre, it was more about these people that are just doing things that they love and, and what are the, the secret nuggets that they've got that will hopefully inspire other people to really do things that they love. And, you know, the podcast has led to speaking and all, all of that kind of stuff. Because for me, if I can encourage, and I talk about like parents as my primary group of people that I want to get into their ear and then also organizations because organizations are usually made up of parents because do all of this work and we do all of this stuff, but if we just can do more of the things that we love with people that we love, that happiness is going to overflow to the people around us and fundamentally to the children in our lives. And I'm a big believer that if we can raise children with smiles on their faces, then everything else is taken care of. Mm, it does start with the children and it's such a great message and it's something that crossed my path a few years back when I was working in the city in a job nine to five and I was like well hang on a second I really only go out and have fun on the weekends and I didn't want my life to be like that so I changed and now I can really embrace that idea of what you say of just living right now and being present and being here. So it's such an important message to be sending to the parents and to the children through how we show up in the world. 
Yeah, 100%. Like, it, it's not about, like, packing up your family and moving overseas. Do you know? Like, my, my other thing, and, and the last question I ask everyone on, on every podcast is, like, describe your perfect day. And that's, and that's because, like, once we know what our perfect day is, then how can we bring elements of that into our everyday? And what I've found whenever I ask people that question, the perfect day isn't something crazy. It's actually quite simple. But we, we seem to complicate it with so many other crazy things. Like think about when, you, when you've been traveling yourself, Abby. Like the days that you probably love aren't the days that you've been waiting in a line to go see the latest, uh, you know, the, the big tourist spot. It's been those slow days where you were able to wake up and have a coffee in some cafe and you met some people and then you, the day just kind of goes on and you get to bed and you go, wow, that was so fun. Mm, yeah, it really is. It's those times where you, you don't really have a plan and you just you just go with the flow. 100%. Yeah, Mike, so tell us what were three things that you learned from your travel and then that transition and reverse culture shock in coming back home? Oh, wow. Definitely. I think the big one for me is that time is the true currency. That, that once you can control your time, and that doesn't mean that in every single moment we're doing exactly what we want to do. Like life isn't like that. You know, we all need to work. We all need to do certain things. We all need to be providers and supporters and all of that kind of stuff. But if you're working for eight hours a day and you're sleeping for eight hours of the day, what are you doing in those other eight hours? I think that a lot of the time we're sitting in front of the TV or we're flicking through social media or we're binging on Netflix or we're stuck in traffic because we're traveling two hours each way for a job. If you actually break that down, like what, how do I really want to spend my time? So that, that was definitely uh, one of the key things that I learned while we're away. Another huge thing that I learned while we were away is that, and this is for the parents, is that kids, even when they're not directly near us, are always in contact with us. And what I mean by that, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story here, so please let me know if I'm going off on a tangent here, Abby. But when we were in America, we took our Australian iPhones over and but our iPhones couldn't work over there for we needed to be connected to Verizon, which is like the Telstra, because we were in the middle of the North Woods in, in Wisconsin. Anyway, we couldn't use our Australian iPhones and I had to get this crappy little phone um, just for emergency reasons. But what this meant was that we couldn't be connected to the internet unless we were at home on Wi-Fi. So and when Andy, my daughter, and I were out and about in the shopping line or at a park or at the library, when usually as parents, as I always used to do, so I'm not parent bashing here, I was one of these parents that when your kid's not with you, you pull out your phone out of boredom and you're like, great, what emails do I have? What Facebook messages? What Instagram stuff do I have? But since I didn't have that, I was able to kind of be completely engaged with Andy. So, you know, coming home, you know, we don't have our social media. We only can be connected via Wi-Fi because that's, you know, something that I learned when we were in those parks in America. 
I'd be playing with her, even though she wasn't with me, she was still kind of coming back to me and uh, connecting with me. Um, and thirdly, I guess one of the, the big lessons that I've learned is that the trip is only one part of the journey. And, you know, I've touched on this a few times, like what we learn leading up to that trip, the trip itself and coming home, they're all, they're all of them are pieces of the same pie. Um, and really, you know, they're pieces of life, you know, they're, they're things that we're trying to navigate through. Um, so that, that's been a big realization. I think that third one, to be honest with you, Abby, is probably something I'm still navigating through now that this last year has been, you know, as big a life kind of lesson as the trip itself. Mm. I really love your message, live immediately. It's something that I try to practice in my everyday life and not just living for the weekend. And I'm sure there are other people that are interested in what you're doing. So if people want to find you online, where can they go? So the best place is liveimmediately.com and that's where you'll be able to find all of my socials on Live Immediately on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, to be honest, jump on Instagram because I don't really use the, the other two that much. And also if you're into podcasts, if you're doing the laundry, if you're cleaning the house, if you've got a big commute, if you're just going on a road trip, Live Immediately is the podcast where I chat to people who are kind of living life on their own terms and we dive deep into the moments of their life that have kind of pushed them through the, the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back and from people from all over the world um, that I have the absolute pleasure of chatting to. So I would love to, to definitely connect with some of your listeners, Abby. So liveimmediately.com if you, you want to find out more about me. Yeah, and I really encourage you to check out the podcast. It's absolutely wonderful. I've listened to a few episodes myself and it's a really great podcast. So congratulations, Mike. Oh, thank you. Mike, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for basically the way you live your life, to think outside the box. You decided to travel for a year and just change your life completely and you managed to do that by house sitting and you also mentioned renting your house out so that you could have someone pay for the mortgage and just those ideas to think outside the box so that you can do something that you really want to do and also to embody your message in living immediately. You told me about the story of your day today where you spent time with your daughter and you just said yes to everything that she wanted to do. And I think it's such a beautiful place to live from and way to live your life. And so I think it's just such a beautiful example for so many people. Oh, thank you so much, Abby. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not always easy every day, but that's the beautifulness in life. And, you know, it's been one of those great lessons. And, and while we're here, Abby, I also want to say thank you to you because I, I know that, that right now your, your podcasts aren't live and, and you, 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 
recording a few and you're on this amazing journey of actually going out there and helping people and and for everyone listening because i'm a, a podcaster myself there's a lot of time and effort and energy that goes into this so you're really lucky to kind of have someone in your community like abby who's putting in the time to really reach out there and, and help people because as us travelers we, we we love traveling but, but that travel always comes to an, an end and Reverse culture shock is something that unfortunately stings us all. So thank you, Abby, for being able to kind of shine a light on this. Mm, yeah, it's such an important topic and, and just um, just a nice way to, to be able to hold a space and, and have um, a place to talk about the the challenges that people go through. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. I just have one final question for you. If you could go back in time to that day when you landed back in Australia after 12 months of house sitting and traveling, slow traveling your way through North America, what advice would you give yourself to prepare you for the reverse culture shock that was ahead of you? I think it would be to say to myself, Mike, this is just another stop on the adventure. This is not the end of the adventure. This is just another destination that you, you're going to be at. And enjoy the ride. Mm, so true. It's not the end. So keep enjoying the destination. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Mike, thank you for sharing your story on the podcast with us today. Thank you for listening to The Wonderlusters Mind. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and share it with someone who you think would love it. All links and show notes can be found at thewonderlustersmind.com. And until next week, may you find somewhere beautiful to wonder.